Good evening, geeks and gamers, and welcome to the Mythicast. Podcast sponsored by Mythicoast Studios right here in downtown Suckasana, New Jersey. Ooh, that's not going to be the case for long, is it? Yes, it's still Suckasana, New Jersey. It hasn't changed the names yet? Eh, mm-hmm. Maybe it's Randolph, but close enough. It's I am true. Father Time, <laughs> your host, and as always with my good buddy and co-host, Lord Mortis. The What's going on? The, the tip, mad. The tip of the spear, No, actually. not the tip of the spear. I got demoted. Why? I don't know. Now I'm Lord Mortis the mad. I think it more, makes more sense to be the mad. Whatever. Whatever yeah, floats your cares, boat, bro. Right? Who cares? I don't know why I got demoted, but there it is. What's going on, people? This is what, uh, episode... 35. 35, and it's been since... May 31st. Holy shikes. <laughs> it's, only, it's only four months. Wow. We have good excuses for being four months late, however. Do we? I like to think we do. That's true. Well, there's been a worldwide pandemic. But right. That, right? Yes. So um, That did have me rejecting coming in and Oh, my God. Masks, I remember that. Oh, what a moment that was i've rolled over all right yeah you're fine but just so everyone knows we're still being safe when we spend time together we always <laughs> go safe uh is that your key over there before you forget yes all i can't right. leave okay. without it all right um once again we still have not made it to the beginning of the show without getting completely distracted so you're in charge my friend go I refuse to be in charge, but I will do my best. Please. Uh, okay, so let's start off with what we always start off with, which is the most recent news. Yeah. Uh, we've got four months' worth of news that we will skip right Completely. over. Yeah. <laughs> and go it's, right to... No, because look, we missed the 40K release, you know. Yes. Uh, all the stuff that went along with 40K. Now there's some new Warhammer underpants on the world's coming up, which we, you and I play. Yes. We love. Um we're not going to get into that. What else are we going to I did all build all the models, though. Oh, did you already? Oh, yeah, yeah. Did you read the cards? Uh, yeah, some. Yeah. yeah. I haven't had time. Joe did, of course, and he's already listened to a bunch of podcasts, and he knows, oh, my God, it's unbelievable. He who has no life. Uh-huh. But the hobby, that's good. I, uh-huh. I envy him. Don't, I'm not mocking him. I'm, uh, I'm envious. So the, the funny thing is I, I had those – I bought those boxes, what, last time? A couple weeks a couple ago. Weeks when ago, they first yeah. came out, yeah. Next day, I'm I'm working at home, wink, wink, working mm-hmm. at home, mm-hmm. and during all the meetings, I'm just banging out those so models, best put, them, thing put about them together, yeah. and they look so cool. Yeah, they're good. And by the end of the day, I have both factions done, right? And uh, Not painted. No, oh. just built. Say, that's impressive. And, um, so what's new with you? Oh, my God, dude. What is not new? What is not new? That is no truer statement. I mean, so let's, let's count the ways. Okay. Right? So we... Moved to the new studio location on the highway, right. Route 10, 1152, uh, Route 10 West, right in uh, good old Randolph, New Jersey, which okay. is literally, what, a mile away? It's less than a mile from here, so I still feel comfortable saying, suck a son of New Jersey. I, yeah, yes. I don't, I, it's, it's technically Randolph. It so is there technically it is. Randolph. Uh, it's, a, it's an awesome, awesome place. I mean, the, the gaming studio is... Uh, better than the gaming studio that we just left, and we—it's—it's it's really you have to stop. I'm not going to try to do it any justice, but it's a beautiful space. The retail location uh, part of the studio is enormous, and then we have our you know Mythicos uh, Minis office and shipping department. And why would we need a Mythicos Minis uh, we're office? Talk, that's, yeah, that's pray tell. Be, no, no, no. So that's the other 
brand new. Well, then there's going to be a second Mythico Studios. Uh, We're th- pretty sure it's going to be November 1st opening. I mean, we have the lease, we have the space, we have all yeah, that stuff, yeah. but there's, there's still construction that has to be done. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, I honestly, like my brain hasn't been able to kind of compute that because we've been... We've um, been going 100 miles an hour. 100 miles an hour. Constantly. For Mythico's minis, uh, which has been in the process of designing, I think it was 100, exactly 100 miniatures the past six months, which are now produced and you know off to uh to the races and should be hitting the shelves december yeah so so exciting yeah it's amazing i think pre-orders are tomorrow since this is friday night that we're doing this pre-orders are tomorrow saturday they open it up and that's going to be at warlord uh, the the warlord games website Mm -hmm. so i it's funny because i was thinking about it um last night i have the 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 one printout of the rule book and we're going to talk about all of this stuff now so but I have the one. There's two printouts of this rule book in existence in the U.S. You have one. I have the other. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I was sitting there watching TV. I don't know what the hell I was watching. It was something depressing, so I stopped listening. And I was flipping through the book, and I go, "Holy, shit, that's those are those came out of our brains, and you know, as addled and old, and old and dusty and bad brains, moldy, moldy, sorry, <laughs> like cheese. Uh, and and here they are. You know, so it's kind of yeah. cool. It was. It's been a Phenomenally fun experience, and we got to paint them. And we got how to paint cool them. is that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we yeah. didn't even hire outside people to do it. No, no, no. we did it. We, I think there's it, and I got to say, I, I thought everyone did a phenomenal job with the minis. We killed it. Yeah, the yeah. team was so tight. It's been a great team, and yep. we should go through the you know mentioning everyone by name. But you know what happens is as soon as you do that, you forget somebody, right? And right. they're like, why didn't you call me? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, we should just mention you and me. Honestly, that's all that matters. That's really. Should we mention Evil Joe? No. <laughs> That's right. Um, but it's it was it's been a great experience. So we're going to take you through some of that stuff. Um, so really, the next few Mythicasts are going to be our nonsense, right? Just our regular news and nonsense it's and studio and community it, stuff, right? It does come with the territory. Yeah, and then uh, a lot of uh, Mythic America stuff because we want to make sure that there's a place. There's going to be a few podcasts out there that uh, we we already know. We're doing some interviews and stuff next week, and there's going to be places. There's going to be a MythicAmericas.com website that mm-hmm. you'll be able to visit starting tomorrow. I think tomorrow night. Um where you're gonna get, you're gonna be able to get a lot of fluffs and, and fluff materials and faction conversations and all that other good stuff. So, there's a Discord channel for Mythic Americas already under the Warlord under Warlord yeah. Discord channel. So if you want to join up on that, uh, you can go onto the Warlord's website, and yep. there should be a link there. If you can't find it or need an invite, just send something into the Mythicos uh, Facebook page or the. Info, info at, at mythicusstudios.com. We'll yeah. get you invited into that Discord because I'm hoping I'm hoping that we can direct most of the questions that people are obviously going to have about you know how's what's this like versus Warlords mm-hmm. of Erewhon. I mean, we're going to talk a lot about that incessantly, quite frankly. Yeah. And um, but I know people are going to have questions and just post them up on that Discord and we'll be happy to answer them. Hundred percent. And um, I was going to say, oh, you know, the one cool thing that I think we should mention is so Mythico's Studios was established to be a community uh, really a community from top to bottom right and Mm -hmm. if you think about the book the rules the designs of the minis the game itself came to life by all members 
Mm-hmm. I mean, everybody, you know, mo- a lot of them silverbacks. Yes, you know, the I original, was the original silverbacks gaming club that is the Mythico Studios gaming club. But there are every, I mean, just folks and friends that we all, you know, we all met together and got together and did this thing together as a group. Which is what makes it exceptionally satisfying and fun, unbelievably fun. Yeah, it wasn't like this corporate assignment that, you know, some companies sat down. It was literally a bunch of guys and gals because Elizabeth, you know, was the, the, you know, she was the leader on the miniature design. And she's, you know, phenomenal job on her part. Mm -hmm. Um, So it really was just a bunch of friends hanging out. Um, who love games, um, working with an incredible rule system and designing these, I think, amazing miniatures and, and doing everything from writing the book to painting the minis. Right, and it's not just miniatures. You know, they, the the game is evolving. This is yeah. new level of Warlords of Erewhon, Warlords of Erewhon Two, if you want to call it that. It's yeah. it's not the same Warlords of Erewhon that's out there, um, but don't. Be afraid. It's not a tremendous change. All the rules that you know are still in effect. It's mm-hmm. just we've added on top of it. We've layered a hierarchy in order to support a theme. Yeah, and we can and we can definitely talk about that in more detail. If you play Warlords of Erewhon, you can literally use this book to play Warlords of Erewhon again. It's yep. just it's Warlords of Erewhon 2.0, basically. Mm-hmm. You know, we cleaned it up in places and neaten it up and tighten the language and, you know, remove some stuff that was just superfluous. And from our opinion, thin down the book a little bit by a few pages, not really that much. Um, but again, we'll talk about the rule book itself. Um, we're not going to get specific rules per se, but we'll more general rules at this Mechanics, day. I think. Is yeah. Really Cause we'll, what you want to talk about. Yeah. We'll get into the details of those, uh, in other podcasts, but for now, I think it's good to just give you a sense that it, this is warlords of everyone. Is the base? It's the rule system under which this this plays, uh, and um, uh, with a, a very in depth and I think well thought out background that we all participated in in, uh, in creating, and then to give it a, an underpinning of a fluff, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. was something that you know. Again, we'll talk more about that in detail, but because there's there's all kinds of cool stuff going on with that. Um, anyway, so that's kind of the you know that's where we're at. So where do you so, want to start? Well, we started. In May, I know exactly when we started. I can remember our kickoff meeting. I can remember you and I with our, you know, these bubbling ideas and the opportunity to do this, the opportunity to work with warlords, and uh, literally kicking off last May. Half the people on the team just 2019. thought 2019. 2019. Yeah. And half the people, you know, because they are all our friends, so they can speak freely. And yeah. they, were, they were like, yeah, okay. They're taking it with a grain of salt. Sure, yeah. sure, sure. We'll, we'll do this. We'll do this because it'll be fun. Right. Let's see you get it into production. And we, we, are, we are there. We're yeah, crossing we the it. finishing line. I think before we do anything, shout out to uh, Simon Tift, who, who uh, he and uh, Chris Bostock from uh, Warlord Games came to the came to the States mm-hmm. um, to check out Mythico Studios and what mm-hmm. we were doing and the community that we built. And I think they left incredibly impressed about our friends um, at the community because it is a community of friends, mm-hmm. right? And so they really loved what we were doing. And that really was the beginning of, of um, kind of a relationship that has developed into, uh, into a really great uh, friendship between two companies, which yes. I, I think is unusual, right? Um, and they've been awesome. And Simon, uh, as soon as he saw the Mythic Americas idea, really sort of embraced it and thought it was was something Warlord should do, Warlord Games should do. So 
you know, we tip our hats off to uh, to to John Sollard, the, the founder and CEO of, of uh, <clears throat> Warlord Games, and and uh, and Chris, uh, and Simon, and uh, and everyone you know there right now that we're working with, and we've been lucky to work with a freaking host of amazing people that that work at that place, uh, especially our own, our very own, sort of here in the states, John Russell, who wrote Great, the uh, yeah, he's huge mm-hmm. guy. Yes, he's a huge. He's a huge man, huge heart, uh, huge voice. By the way, super sexy in a kilt. Oh, I have God, to tell is he you. sexy in a kilt? Uh, Amazing, right? Uh, yeah. So, uh, awesome, awesome, awesome team, and you'll hear all of these names and 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 more so as we as we go through the various podcasts in the next uh, in the next few months. But um, what do you want to talk about next? Well, I mean. Normally, if we were to treat this as a normal game, we would do the deep dive into it like we've done over the past podcasts. Um, You know, I have my deep dive outline, but we have done the deep dive on Warlords of Erewhon. Ironic, because, all right, secretly we were learning it while we were preparing for building Mythic America, so it played right into our little plan. Our nefarious little plan. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> but um, so we don't have to go into a lot of the warlords of Erewhon. If you're listening to this, you're probably well aware how to play the game. If you're um, new to Warlords of Erewhon, have never played this game, you're f- then you're screwed. Yeah, right. Yeah, no, right. it's look. It's a Rick Priestley book, uh, yes. the original book. Right. Uh, it's his rule system that he wrote to be. I don't want to call it generic, but he really uh, to be universal. Yes. Right? So you can use it with existing game, you know, existing miniatures that you may have, mm-hmm. orcs and elves and dwarves and that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. right? As anything that Rick does, because I do respect him as a master rules writer and game creator, mm-hmm. and we all know he's one of the fathers of the of the hobby as we know it, right? From his days at Games Workshop. Um, he, you know, produced a book to be a universal book with, you know, without real background, no fluff uh, per se. There is some in the book, you know, but not a very structured. He spent all his time really kind of organizing. Right. And and so you're using the same dice mechanic that the Warlords, dice. right, the order yeah. dice that Warlords are famous for and kind of working that into a tabletop game, you know, uh, more of, more towards a fantasy Environment, definitely right? a classical uh, a, European style fantasy environment. Right. So it it, it was Tolkien. Uh, yes, very Tolkien, and mm-hmm. he included all the armies in the back for the Tolkien. And we played the game, and we loved it. We had loved so it. much fun playing the game. Very different than your AOS or definitely. some of the other uh, standards. Um, so that so because we liked it so much, it really gave us an opportunity to say, okay, now we've got this rule set that Warlords is is allowing us to use Mm -hmm. and how do we take the idea of mythic americas which i think we should dive into and and use this world this this rule set to support that theme so my first question to you Mm -hmm. to kind of let's get a sense of what mythic americas really is because everything i'm reading on the boards is like oh it looks you know it's pre-columbian uh, error yep. fighting with you know Aztecs and nations and how could they do that because they don't they were never even close to each other or the Aztecs and the Mayans weren't even in the same same time periods get all that right. we get all that it is mythic Americas it's right. not historical Americas we're trying to be historically correct with the miniatures yes when we are talking about specific factions right um. But where did Myth America, Mythic Americas come from in your moldy mind? 
Oh, okay. So I think everyone should just uh, find a nice, comfy chair someplace. <laughs> I'm gonna go to the bathroom. I'll be yeah, back go in ahead. about a half hour. <laughs> uh, <laughs> about three and a half hours. Get some. Get your slippers on and sit by the fire. A nice, uh, maybe cup of tea or a glass of brandy, and and let me tell you a tale. Um, really, honestly, I so I grew up in uh, I grew up in Venezuela and Colombia, sort of like you know going back and forth. My parents were all up and blah blah blah, mm. divorced and all that mm-hmm. other nonsense, right? Mm-hmm. So, but I have my mother, uh, my grandmother passed away uh, when I was younger, but my grandmother was, uh, you know, uh, they don't call them Native Americans down in South America, indigenous, you know, from an indigenous uh, group. In Venezuela, and and you know she um, married my grandfather, who's from a Spanish side of the of the sort of heritage. And anyway, I grew up with all, hearing a lot of stories about all kinds of stuff. You know, Maria Leonza, all these uh, really Venezuelan. Uh, I guess in the states we you call it you know a, a version of Santeria, which is sort of ble- you know it's a mixture of Catholic beliefs and, and native you know sort of culture beliefs and mm-hmm. Afro you know uh, beliefs all kind it's a, it's awesome it's a lot of stuff right and you hear all kinds of stuff as a kid um, and it, it was always fascinating to me you know and when I went to Colombia I lived in Colombia there was uh, all of the Andean culture and, and a, a lot of the mythology around that I was just always gravitating towards that anyway so you know then we moved up here in, in uh, when I was a kid um, about twelve. And I've always been fascinated about American history, not American, U.S. America. Because, you know, everybody thinks Americans and everybody goes, oh, it's the U.S. No, no. I, I, I see America as three, one large, you know, hemisphere, you know, three Americas, North, Central, and South. And within those three Americas, there are all these amazing cultures. And a lot of them don't get a lot of respect and a lot of play. And a lot of their mythology... <clears throat> um, is wonderful and 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 um, it, it and I think worth exploring and, and taking you know and taking out to a, a broader audience and a, a lot of their historical achievements are amazing and there's there's recognition of them as a people and there's a lot of active um, tribes you know, especially here in the in, you know nations here in the in the in the U S but I thought it was it's just a place I've been fascinated with from a historical level and a mythological level. In a cultural level, so this is a project that I've been working on for ten years. Because I'm so also, I just think it's fascinating that when you brought that to us, yeah. every single person in our play group got excited just because we all have that passion for these kind of un, unknown kind of mm-hmm. uh, uh, factions that are you know like Aztecs are exciting you know, but still you know the only thing we see of Aztecs these days are just these jungle overgrown like pyramids that right. where they used to have these amazing cultures i mean we're all very familiar with the native americans and and you know the the especially locally because we're in new jersey i mean you've got all those things like mohawks and the huron up into canada those sure. things excite everybody yeah uh and so it was really a, a labor of love to mm-hmm. start putting that stuff uh together building mechanics around that so so tell me so i can see why you'd be passionate about you know, just these indigenous peoples and mm-hmm. these histories, but that's not what Mythic Americas is about. No. Where does so, the, where does the way come from? Right, so, all right. So, there's a couple of things. I mean, I think it's really, really, really important to understand. So, I have huge respect as having grown in that culture. You know, uh, uh, having indigenous blood in me, uh, a very high percentage of indigenous blood, as it turns out. 
Um, it's the fascination and the love for the cultures and the love for the mythology. It's all there. But I wanted to make sure that we wrote Mythic Americas to be a vehicle and a window to give you a peek into the amazing worlds that you could really delve into. Like people think of Aztecs and, and there's, if you really, unless you really understand and love the Aztec culture, you know, there's, there's, there are a few stereotypes that are, that are out there and there's stereotypes for most of these cultures. And so I thought, you know, one way to get, especially a younger, you know, set of, human beings to to start really embracing our own mythology by the way because mm-hmm. i as i look at like europe has had the advantage all of these fantasy games are based on and this is not a knock on any of it but all of this fantasy is based on uh their the the sort of tolkien uh, the ad- adaptation of the norwegian the nor- you know the northern uh sort of mythology of you know, trolls and dwarves and ogres and all this other stuff, yeah. right? And mm-hmm. dragons and which we all love, which we've 100%. all all played, <laughs> love and are you know deeply addicted to. And sure. why we play Warlords of Erewhon, and before that we play Warhammer Fantasy, and you know we'll play anything along those lines. So we have a love and a passion for that, and that's you and I share the love and passion for tabletop gaming and miniature gaming, mm-hmm. right? So there, so you know, put that you know in, in one pillar here. I happen to share a passion for believing that American mythology, in the American broader sense, um, is incredibly powerful. And I actually think that from an entertainment point of view, a lot of um, uh, motifs are going to are going to start appearing from the Americas because I think it's got a it's got a big voice. I mean, mm-hmm. you think about the cultures in America. I mean, it's it, it's you, know, you you got all the Amazonian cultures in the countries and the Andean countries and and then you have all the Central American countries. Then you have the Caribbean. I mean, it's incredible. It's incredibly uh, rich. And the, and the Mexican area. I mean, it's just overrun. all the Central America, North Central. I mean, it's just incredible, yeah. right? Um, and most people know, you know, Quetzalcoatl. You know, they might know, you know, Sasquatch. You know, in Jersey, you might know the Jersey Devil. You know, there's a couple of creatures of mythology that that come from these cultures, and and you know, that's it. There's right. just so much more. Yes. Right? Yeah. So the idea is to bring it out uh, so that folks can really start taking a look at it. It's one mm-hmm. of the reasons why, you know, for us, miniature design is going to be a very, um, it's going to be a very flexible thing. So we're not going to design a miniature and then we're going to, that design is going to stick around for 10 years. Right? We're going to design a miniature. For example, I met with Brian today. We were having lunch and we were talking about, you know, we have some new miniatures that are coming out. But as... Um, you know, take a Quetzalcoatl, for example. We represented the Quetzalcoatl as one of the models, and we'll get into why that is, with the Aztecs, right? But the Maya had a, um, a version of the Quetzalcoatl, mm-hmm. and that model could be very different, mm-hmm. right? So who says we can have three or four different versions of the Quetzalcoatl? Right, or, you know? right. Uh, so that's one of the things that, that we are definitely going to get into is just sort of really shaping up the model line. Okay, so let me reel you back to my original question, yeah. which you have completely not even remotely answered. Mm-hmm. The way. The way. So the way is, if you think about the mythologies and the cultures, I want to be respectful of how we present all of those things in a very sensitive manner, right? So we're not... So I, I want to make sure that what I do is I take all of these mythologies and these histories 
And we have to kind of marry stuff that doesn't match timelines, right? If I want to, if we want to introduce you to to these mythologies in these worlds, and we had to limit it to the specific timelines of when maybe the Maya were on the same, you know, uh, uh, area as the Aztecs or the survivors of the Aztecs or what you know, the then then you're going to be limited to very regional games, and it becomes more of a historical game and. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. for me, the, there had to be a mechanism to, uh, to create a universal, um, a, a universal set of uh, sort of structural beliefs that would be the underpinning for the story in Mythic Americas, right? So before you get to the way, you have to get to this idea of balance, right? So balance is something that I... So from a game point of view, balance is important, right? So you want to write a balanced game, right? Mm-hmm. But from my point of view, the way I, you know, and I've been writing this freaking novel, by the way, which which hopefully will hit the shelves in uh, April, May, <clears throat> uh, for a few years now. But really the idea of the, the world is this notion of there's this one creator, which, by the way, it's a very universal across the world, not just, you know, here in the Americas, uh, entity per se, right? That is the universe. Let's just call it, you know, let's just call it that. And in our worlds of mythic Americas, the way pretty much represents everything that goes along how he or she or it, the, the one, wanted to achieve balance on Earth, right? So there's a bunch of terms that you're going to see as you get into the fluff. And balance on Earth, as we interpret it in the game, is really based on the balance of life and existence on the planet, right? And if you look into the Aztec uh, culture, they have a calendar of eras, right? And, and, and their culture was driven around this idea that there's, you know, an era starts and it goes on and eventually it dies, you know, as, as a time span and then things change. Like, you know, remember in 2000, the idea was that it was at the end, you know, 2012, it was at the end of an Aztec era. And, right. you know, the world was going to end and there was a big massive solar storm that was going to kill all cell phones mm-hmm. and all that, all that right? Um, so at the end of the day, that uh, the idea of the way is, is a fairly um, involved way of uh, explaining to people how uh, tribes cultures and or factions within our game really can behave a set of guidelines laid out millions of years ago into existence by the one right Right. so the way is literally a way to behave a way to fight a way to follow uh you know it's it's almost uh it it could be interpreted as a philosophy on how to you know function and what so why do we why do we do the way well, the way is a great mechanic, I think, or a great sort of storytelling mechanic to be able to tie a lot of disparate, you know, components. And um, you'll see the way all over the game. And in it's integral mm-hmm. to the game, right? Mm-hmm. And the term and the idea of the balance, like you know, a, a simple example of balance is a cliche, for example, of, you know, everybody thinks that, the, you know, native uh, uh, the nations, tribal nations, you know, ancient tribal nations... Uh, lived, you know, in balance with nature, right? That's most people will tell you that that's one of the wonderful things about, uh, at least in our own sort of modern mythology of, of, so balance is at the center of that conversation, right? Um, but balance was integral to 
all of these cultures, and by the way, is integral to a lot of cultures around the planet, right? Uh, just yin and yang, right? Mm-hmm. It's a balance of two opposing forces, right? So that's balance the way. I'm never going to, it's going to take hours to explain right. the way because the way so let is. Me, let me set you up with, a, with me telling you something that is wrong. Mm-hmm. This isn't good versus evil, right? Absolutely not. Right. So I think it's important. It's like in the in the in the in our world in mythic Americas, um, because it's it's a matter of perspective, right? So if you look at some of the Inca or Andean cultures, um, there's a lot of cliche and a lot of misinformation um, with regards to them and sacrifices. So to our eyes, cultures that sacrifice children, because you know, Europeans came along and they're like, they saw the Aztecs sacrificing everything from adults to children. Um, on the face of it, that sounds like an evil thing to do. Mm-hmm. But if you understand the Aztec culture, the idea of, of sacrifice was hugely important to, guess what? Stop the world from being destroyed if darkness, in, in the terms of the sort of fight against not evil, but a destructive force. Right. Uh, it, without sacrifices, um, the whole world might end, right? So there, it really was truly an integral part of the religion. Same thing with the Incas. I mean, so we wanted to make sure that we never represented this idea because we did not live in those times. Uh, so evil is definitely an inherent human uh, behavior or a representation of a human behavior. So what we distilled it to was um, there is no evil faction in this game and therefore and so how do you do that so you do that by choosing two ways of um of fighting or opposing each other and so the way has two main camps right and that's the ever-living and the ever-changing and in essence from our point of view balance on earth or in the universe is composed of Stability and balance, you know, for example, in life. and But balance in life is driven through chaos and change and evolution. And so that change is driven by, in our world, a natural uh, force called the ever-changing. And their pantheon is, um, their role is to, to change, to create chaos um, and to make evolution happen in life, for example, right? So, and then where the ever-living are really more earth-based um, entities and approaches to, to the balance and the way that are more of, about life as we know it. Nurturing. Know, living entities. But the ever-living, again, when you get into these cultures, you find that unlike our Western cultures, life has a number of definitions, and, and interpretations. Is it spiritual life? I mean, <clears throat> rocks can have spirits. You know, certain uh, areas, uh, literally certain locations on a map, uh, you know, geographic locations will have a spirit, you know. So there's a respect for a much wider realm of entities than what we Judeo-Christian Western, you know, folks, you know, uh, have been brought up on. And again, none of that is wrong it's just a very different way of looking at, at the universe. All of those things, and again, we are never, ever going to do anything more than <coughs> just like dip our tiny, the very tip of our one toe into the water of the amazing 
you can find out about these incredible, incredible right. cultures. It's right. just you can get lost in it. So, um, so that's the balance. It's the kind of the underpinning of the mandate from the one. The way is the sort of philosophy of how you can move. But if you look at uh, the way, the way we've written it, you know, it, it's it, it literally is a gestalt of fifty different things, and you could add another five hundred to that. All of it is just existence, right? And then we interpret that in two main camps in the game, the ever-living and the ever-changing. And all factions within our stories um, will be able to perform or behave or follow the way of one of those two factions. Does that make sense? I have no idea if it makes sense, but well, it is Of course the way. it makes sense it to me it because... Right? We do, right. <laughs> So, you know, in, in this world, there is no evil. There, um, there's, there, there is a, a cool, I think, creative nuance to, I, I, I think it is, and maybe because it came out of my brain, but um, in, our, in our world, there's, there's a, the, the, the one created everything, right? And again, the one is not a man or a woman. The, the one is not a, an entity as you and I would know it. The one, if I could explain to you what the one is, then I'm doing, I'm not doing a very good job of, of writing this. The one is unexplainable, but the one exists, mm. right? None of us tiny little brains can understand the one. So it's right? not a turtle? It's not a turtle. Oh, I no. thought it was a turtle. That's Mother Earth. Oh, I'm sorry. That's <laughs> okay. I'm trying to keep up. Yeah. So <laughs> the one created here on Earth, which is a tiny little speck of interest in the universe and multiverses, because this, I mean, you'll, you'll see, but uh, the the one um, really gets into this idea that uh, he sort of set up the universe as a as a balance um, when he creates Earth, almost the, you know, um, even here on Earth, balances you know the the balances the core underpinning of of everything here on the planet, right? And so uh, on 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 the planet, the interpretation of that is various entities that are aligned to either the ever-living or the ever-changing. And the one fly in the ointment is that the one has created something he calls or is known, not he, is known as the children. And the children are living entities, sometimes, that are that have been uh, there's a, um, put here to maintain balance and eventually to destroy the balance. So because it living entities are very unpredictable, right? Um, and so, currently, the children are humans. But there have been other children species in the past. Okay. Right? So, like, if you if you get into the fluff, into the history, into the Mythic America's history, we currently speak about the children, but this particular planet has been around for billions of years, right? So, it's very presumptive on our part to think, that the one would always create human-looking children. So um, in our game, it's the humans are the current children, and they're called the ruling children, right? That, that is where we find our, all of our factions. They are, all of our factions are part of the, the human race, therefore they're all part of the ruling children. And, and by the way, that, that's a, for me, that's an exciting thought because it allows me allows us as a group of creatives to take that concept of the human race and move it from the Americas and we'll talk about that later into into other into other spheres right um, 
And here's why I said there's no good or evil. There's only beginning and end, right? So, and remember the the you know we base a lot of our mythology on this idea of eras, beginning and ending, and children ruling and not ruling. And at the end, um, I'm not going to give you too many details, but at the end, the ruling children have to give way to a new set of ruling children at the end of an era, right? So, and again, it's all about balance. And you see it all throughout the game. You see this idea of um, uh, this underpinning uh, um, of the mythology. And that allows us to then present creatures, entities as actors in the play. And then and you, you bring them to life and you're allowed... I think, in a much more detailed way to get into um, representation of historical figures, for example, or not, not historical name figures, but historical tribes or, or ways of fighting or ways of, you know, certain cultures dressed or whatever yeah. it is, right? It's just a cool way to take history and bring it and, and marry it to a mythological uh, underpinning uh, without getting religious and without getting any of that stuff. You really just want, it's, it's a, I think it's an awesome way to do both history and mythology and, um, and bring it together. Um, so that's, so those, those are kind of key terms. There are other key terms that you'll, you'll find, you know, in the, within the book. Um, and there are some unique characters that, that we've created within the, the lore that are not historical. They're not mythological. They're just mythic America's characters that are, um, that you'll see, uh, come to the forefront in some of the uh, some of the background and so the idea is by having all of this background <clears throat> together uh and put together and well thought out look it's 10 years in the writing so it's not like we just sat down and you know and um and started working on this uh back may in 2019 right so this this lore and this background is is now 10 years in the making maybe even more because i forget i was looking at some of the older files so that's kind of a brief, not so brief explanation of some of the background. And then we go through the process, you and I and the group, of choosing factions. And frankly, we choose factions based on how cool they are. What's cool, yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It, it's funny, I, I, for those who are listening to all this, mm-hmm. it, it's like imagine last May with... Lord Mortis preaching the way and the ever-living and the ever-changing and sitting there and thinking, okay, how are we going to take these ravings and <laughs> and over and take warlords, nice warlords of Erewhon rule sets and merge them together so that it means something. Not right. so that you just have new models to play warlords of Erewhon. How do we take the idea of the ever-living, the ever-changing, the way, and, and build them in so that you have a theme that works within the Warlords of Erewhon rule set. Mm-hmm. That was the ultimate challenge. So it's true. You know, it absolutely that was. That was the hardest part. Absolutely was. So I, I guess you're right. We started with factions and we said, which ones are the coolest ones? Where do we want to start? Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, we wanted to start with um, Native American Indians. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, I, I guess we, Decided upon the tribal nations as a, as a starting point for Native Americans. 
Um, it's very close to, to our hearts only because we're in New Jersey and we can look at those Iroquois tribes and, and the Huron and the Seneca and the Chickasaw and, and all the ones yep. that, are, that are close. And we're part of those tribal nations. It was a huge, you know, I, I hear people talk about, you know, us trying to put every um, American, indigenous American Indian into a bucket, you know, tribal nations. But impossible to do. It's impossible, impossible to do. But the, the nations, the tribal nations, that is a, a proper term. The nations is a proper term for absolutely a variety of the nations within the, you know, the North American sphere of, you know, um, indigenous, you know, nations that were here way before any of us. And certainly for the East Coast, which yeah. is all we're really trying to represent right now. Right now, mostly east of the Mississippi. Correct. Right. Correct. So, um, so the, the the tribal nations is a, is a, really an aggregate of um, uh, a tiny little portion of North American nations, right? Right. So um, as we explore the game and, and evolve the game, you'll you'll see there's some cool campaigns coming out, you know, Absolutely. that are, that involve new nations. Uh, and again, when you build a Mythic Americas nations force, we're trying to stay very historically accurate. If you're building a Seneca archer or a Mohawk warrior or something, you know, we, we spent a lot of time working with the sculptors and the artists to make sure that that we we got the, the figures as, as close to uh, accurately as possible. But also uh, so that, you know, um, they just look fantastic on the table because I, I you know, we, part of the vision is to see these these all of these groups, these human beings mixing it up in this in, in this on this tabletop. And and. and- Part of the vision is to, you know, this is where I'm very, like, feet on the ground. I'm always saying, look, this is a game. Mm-hmm. This I know that to you this is a, a dream, but people have to be able to play a game. They have to have fun. They have to have reasons to want to buy these models over other models. And, you know, we're trying to take all those ideas and merge them into one project. Um and uh, I think I think it's we're succeeding, but I think it's great. <laughs> but and, I, and what I actually and again I sat down through. I told you I sat down through uh, uh, last night. I was just sitting there looking at the rule book, and, um, and again, I'm, I, it, for me, the idea of balance within existence, and balance within your life, and balance within your game, and balance, balance, balance is really important. Mm, absolutely. And and, and, um, and I want the rules to be. You know, you and I both work very hard to 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 comb through every one of these rules, every one of them, every spell, every faction, every weapon, every everything in this game to try and achieve something that's unachievable for any game, except maybe chess, um, as far as I know, <clears throat> um, that where balance is as neutral as you can make it, right? And, and as fun as you can as make it. As fun as you can make Absolutely. it, right? So... Um, I think we've done the best job that we can do at this at at, uh, at this time, and we spent a lot of time testing these things. Um, so I think it was it's really important. So balance is is at the core of the fluff, and it's at the core of the game, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. The way is at the core of the fluff, and it's at the core of the game because the way you literally have to choose a way. So one of the two alignments, the ever living or the ever changing. To play the game, right? Yes. So in order to play this game, before you even roll a die, you have to choose the way that you're going to play. Right. Right? Um, and that opened up all kinds of fun things for us well, from a gaming that, point of view. But that was also a very challenging part because there is nothing, you know, inherent to Warlords of Erewhon that, that 
you know, supports this this theme, no, right? No, no. Warlords of Erewhon is a mechanic. It's 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 a very well thought out mechanic for playing the game. Um, so taking the idea of, I mean, I just look at it from from our our history of how we built from there. I mean, I think the very first thing, well, we never finished the factions. I mean, so you have the tribal nations, you have the Aztecs, you have the Mayans, and you have the Incans. Yeah, yeah, and those four are coming out. Uh, the first two factions are the uh, Aztecs and the, and the tribal nations, yes. and those come out in December. Yep, you know all everything, and actually, I think pre-sale, uh, uh, pre-order tomorrow. Tomorrow, yep. Right? And then in January, we have the Incas and the Maya. Right. Just as a footnote, Maya, plural and singular. I know I said it wrong. Right? No, no. I'm no. the one who brought it up, and I said it wrong. No, but I, yeah, you did. Uh, but I, it's a, it's again, it's a you know, you hear people say Mayans, and you know, properly, I mean, it's Maya. It's Maya. Yes. Both. Right. So, um, and then after that, we have. Can we even talk about the last? No, I wouldn't talk. About right. It. So we have. So so by the beginning of next year, you're going to have all four factions, all the models. As you stated, it's a hundred poses or so, you know, a hundred different models. Mm -hmm. um, so we knew that those were the four factions we were going with. We actually had several more that we were also building out at that time. But the first thing that we, we wanted to do, I think, when we looked at the Warlords of Erewhon rule set is to um, put more of an objective-based concept around the scenarios, why you're playing that That's game. really important. Yes, yeah. right? So the scenarios that they provided were good scenarios, a, a lot of killing, a lot of kill points. Yep. And Mythic Americas doesn't choose the winner based on those kill points. So that's yep. one thing that we laid over top of those rules. So all the rules for playing the games, mechanics for playing the games are exactly the same. However, the, the rules for winning the game are now different. Yep. So you're going to be... You're going to be going, and originally, um, initially, we have the rituals of balance. Yeah. Those are our scenarios. That was the initial name. Right. Right. Those are our scenarios for these rituals, and we've defined six of them. Um, and you, to start a game, you will, you know, decide randomly which one of those six you're going to play, and that's mm -hmm. going to have a point system associated with it, and that's how you... Uh, set up the game and deploy for the game and then score points for the game. Yep. And that was a pretty, you know, simple, not really that simple, but it's a, from a mechanics, it's a pretty simple thing that you're saying, well, okay, so now we know that. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. but it's ba so balance of the way, right? right? And and uh, devotions to the way are the, the, um, the scenarios, devotions to the way. No. No. Devotions to the way are the secondary yeah, objections. Yeah, that's right. So there's okay. two types of scenarios. Right, right, right. Primary well, I get and secondary. That oh, okay. All I right. was leading yeah. into that. Okay. Yeah. Because because the scenario was one thing. That's just taking two opponents and, and you mm -hmm. play a scenario. Yeah. But what we were missing at that point, we still weren't supporting the idea of ever-living and ever-changing. And I can distinctly remember going to the team and say, okay, how are we going to take the ideas of these ever-living and ever-changing them and inject them into the game. Mm -hmm. Inject them into the game, not right. just use these terms. Right. And, and the way we achieved that was, um, I think, two or threefold. The first thing is that um, we created our own magic spells. They're very specific to the faction. So mm -hmm. the nations have their own spells. The Aztecs don't use the nation spells. Yeah, they can. These are... 
these are different from the spells in the book. Some of them are minor differences, but Mm -hmm. they're specific to those factions. And the spells themselves are specific to whether you are an ever-living army or an ever-changing army. Right. Right? So you have that. That's a a first army-building distinction. And that's a key distinction, though, because you have to realize, so when you have an army, uh, you know, let's say I I am particular, uh, I have a sort of, I don't have a favorite, but if I, if the one I started playing the, uh, first, because it was one of the factions that I originally uh, wrote, right, or was one of the, by the way, there, there are a couple of writers per faction, right, so nobody, I can't say I wrote the Incas, so that's not the case, right, I wrote the initial iteration of the Incas, sure. and then Andrew took it and went in another and then, direction. Then we and we fixed then, it. And then, <laughs> you know, well, my original version of the Incas was awesome. <laughs> yeah, it would have been awesome. Uh, uh, yeah. no, unbeatable, unbeatable, quite frankly. It was amazing. <laughs> uh, but if you think about, you're, you're exactly what you're saying. So if you think about uh, any faction, Incas, when you when you can when you build an Inca army or an Inca warband, as we uh, as this uh, the term is the proper term is warband, um, you have to think of it from a balanced point of view. Absolutely, because yeah. your scenarios are first of all you don't know at the beginning of the game um, whether you're going to be in that particular moment in time going to be rep- you know fighting under the way of the ever living. Or the ever changing, so you have to do dual lists. You have to show up, and then the scenarios have this primary scenario, which is what you're talking mm-hmm. about, uh, which in essence is is a primary primary scenario that everybody's trying to achieve those objectives, mm-hmm. right? So, but now you've added this layer to balance that warband building mechanic, mm-hmm. so that you're more prepared to have a balanced force. In that primary scenario. And then when you bring in... The secondary objectives. Right. So then we have the devotions to the way. Mm -hmm. And what, what, from a mechanics perspective, there are um, eight... Yeah, eight. Eight different... um, Per faction. Per alignment. Per alignment. So there are eight devotions that are associated with the ever-changing. There are eight devotions that are associated with the ever-living. And you can very easily think of them as secondary objectives. And the intent is that at the beginning of the game, you will... Draw three of those, and by the way, all of these things yeah, will be on, about that on cards. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. you draw three, and you choose one secretly. That's your secondary objective. Mm-hmm. So now you're going into this fight with um, a scenario, mm-hmm. You know your ritual, yeah. which is your overarching method of scoring points. Now you have a secondary objective, which is a, another method of, of right. scoring points, which is secret until you get to a point where it gets exposed. Yeah. Um, and... The the building of the army, whether it's ever living or ever changing, is going to affect the spells that you're taking. Yep. It's going to affect the devotions that are available to you. Yep. And there's one more layer that's on top of that, which we call the blessings, blessings of the way. Yep. Of the way, and those are unique little once per turn mm-hmm. um, moments. Yeah, once per turn, once per game. Yes. Yeah. Right. That you can kind of play this out of sequence cheat, if you will, out of order rule bending, which and those are very specific to the alignment that you've chosen, whether it's ever living or ever changing. So yep. you've got now you've got three different, four different things that are affected by your ever living, ever changing choice and your excuse me, and your army building. And, and it's really hard, and we've tried this, it's really hard to come in and build an all conquering cheesy list. Yeah. All, it's all, really hard. Yep. 
Really hard. But it's a lot of fun. I mean, Warlords of Erewhon is a bloody game to start with. I mean, at least we, we always sad. find it. Oh, you bloody. know, when you're, you're, you're going in and your units are hitting and, you know, they're, it's rare that they're going to be able to hit a lot more after those first initial uh, attacks. But when you have these objectives... Now you have reasons to maybe not take those units in and immediately uh, engage. Yep. You know, maybe you have another reason for taking them around the outside or for planting a flag at a specific point of the yep. game. Totally, and totally agree. You given given those layers, it makes for a really more in depth game and um, fun. We've yeah, been, I think we've so. been we've been really enjoying it. And uh, and, and you mentioned cards. So in order to, so it, it sounds, it's very simple. You, you build your, um, you have to build your war bands and you have to be aware that you may be uh, following the way of the ever-living or the ever-changing. So, you, you, you know, you, do, you need to almost from the very beginning understand that you're going to need to a balanced force because you're, the primary objectives are not necessarily the easiest things in the world to mm-hmm. achieve, by the way. Uh, they are fun. They are difficult. Um, so you have to be prepared because you may be, get in, in the random, so you don't know what objective you're going to get, and you're also going to be getting. Uh, you don't know which uh, on which which way you're going to be following. And then you have the added uh, layer of the secondary objectives, and then you have, of course have the blessings of the way. So all of these things together really help keep the game very much from the beginning as neutral as we can make it. It really does feel more like a chess game because now. Everybody's got all these random things that had to happen in order in order to achieve these objectives, right? So in order to make it easier uh, uh, to sort of track along the game, we the, the the game set comes with a set of cards, mm-hmm. which you know, which outline the objectives and the secondary objectives. It gives you tokens to uh, keep track of some of the objective markers, some of those spells, States, the right. buffs, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of. Uh, so that stuff, it, it, it's really actually very, very helpful. Um, and and then it's the there is an enormous amount of fun to be had about list building because you have to build them under different uh, ways, mm-hmm. ever-living or ever-changing. And you have to think about all these scenarios. So the permutations are, 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 are many. Um, and they'll continue to become many because we'll continue to add uh, scenarios, you know, uh, primary and secondary as, as we go along and blessings because some of the blessings will will come from some of the creatures which right. I think we should talk a little bit about some of the mythological creatures well we didn't talk about any of the monstrosities I, I was thinking that maybe uh, we should end on the idea of just touching upon each faction give a sense of how the factions play because they all play very differently mm-hmm. and then a sense of the monstrosities that are going to be included with those sets that sound fair totally fair uh, my two favorite monstrosities. All right, but we should talk about a little bit about this. So that, if you, if you play Whirlers of Erewhon, right? Yes. Uh, you still have your, they're the same troop types, right? Yes. So you have your your warrior sort of. You have your warlord. Your warlord, right? right? Um, warlord can be on foot. Warlord can, can be, be mounted. mounted yes. Um, you have swarms. You have monstrosities, you have monsters, right? And you have beasts, right? Right. You notice I didn't say you have war machines or chariots, right? So in this, in this, in uh, this Warlords of Erewhon 2.0, Mythic Americas, um, we are we moved chariots and uh, uh, artillery, right? Because clearly there were no 
when there's no uh, black powder weapons, Correct. Yeah. right? Um, we are moving those into what we think is a much simpler uh, way to handle them, which are basically we will handle their effects as part of uh, um, the unit that can field those. So instead of writing a chapter on what an artillery piece may do, we literally simplify that to when we introduce an artillery piece, hint, hint, uh, someday, um, that will be described in the unit description in mm. the special rules of the unit description. So, but again, uh, you can play uh, this version with those. You can you'll find the PDFs for or for the chariots and the artillery on our on our website uh, for you to download to supplement the book if you really feel like you know. Uh, we, look, that's the other thing we've had questions about. Well, can I play my dwarves against the you know my Incas? And the answer to that is yeah, give it a go. Um, we didn't play test of that scenario, right? So we see that it's very doable, but we didn't test every single Warlords of Erwin faction. Well, the b- bottom line is the mechanics are the mechanics. The, the rules right. are the rules. Right. What a dwarf won't have is an ever-living and an ever-changing option to, you know, play the way. Could you play the game without the ever-living, ever-changing and just go strictly with Warlords of Erewhon? Take the statistics for the Aztecs and take them against the dwarves? Sure. Yeah, totally. I have no idea what will happen. I have no, I, I have no idea. And we, but I doubt that anybody has any idea of, of how all of these lists in the original Warlords right. of Erewhon, even the new ones, even, even look, we played them all and tested all this stuff. So I think at the end of the day, um, the, the idea is to take make the scenarios primary secondary and then the blessings really be the the thing that provides the balance within the game mm-hmm. so that both sides have as fair a shot at, at achieving victories we found no draws <laughs> yeah. in our games uh which i think is i mean because there's a tiebreaker there's a series of tiebreakers within yeah. the the rule set so um it's very competitive, yeah. Right, uh, it's 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 a lot of fun, but it is competitive. There is, and, and the scenarios are not like, oh shit, I got to kill your warlord. That's not. I mean, there's some of that, not the main motivator. Right. For this. So, um, I, I think everybody, I think people will enjoy it. So, uh, what were the other? What, the four factions are so. Let's go one at a time. Yeah. So we've already talked about the tribal nations a yeah. little bit. Yeah. Um, that's an army that's very, um, like, skirmish-driven. It's going to be a hit-and-run type of an army. Mm-hmm. Um, they will do a lot of ranged attacks. They do have magic, but their magic is more to to make them at one with the woods. Yeah. So you think of growing woods or maybe moving units through woods. Um it's it's a very cool faction. Um, they are bolstered by those nice Sasquatch models that we've been seeing online. Yeah. They're also bolstered by the Wendigo, my personal favorite of all the monstrosities we have out there. Beautiful model yeah. and nasty on the table. Yeah. Um, that is a, a very fun faction to play. Yeah. Not an easy faction to play because those guys are, are bare. You know, if you yeah. go up against, you know, a Mayan... Uh, noble kickers. They, they're going to chop your, your little Mohawk warriors apart. But I got to tell you, a side story. I, there's one game that I was playing that I will never forget where I, I got a Kamazots, <laughs> which is a, a Maya monstrosity. 
right? Yeah. And I went after one of the, uh, let's just say there's, we ended up calling them little kittens, but these creatures <laughs> that are, that spawn as part of one of the scenarios. And I'm like, ah, oh, two little creatures just came out of the ground. All I have to do is kill these freaking things. And you're scoring points. And I'm scoring points. Yeah. So my Kamazots, which reaches a monstrosity, this sort of bat-like, you know, the insane. God of darkness. But literally the God of darkness, right? Uh, I send the God of darkness against these two pussycats, and I get my <laughs> handed to me. I mean, it's... It was <laughs> that's that's why we rolled dice. Uh, I barely survived, limped away at one one inch movement, <laughs> hoping and praying to the ever living or ever changing whoever is listening to me that those things couldn't chase me, and I did end up getting no objective uh, victory points from those pussy cats, uh, and, and made my monstrosity useless, pretty much. So let's talk about the Mayans. Yeah. The Mayans are a, a very elite army. Yeah. Um, they are more armored. They are more trained. They have a higher command right. value, which means they're going to be sticking around more than your average. They're swinging macahuaitles. Nice job. Thank you. Um, which are nasty yeah. and have nasty SV values to them. Um, and... They are backed up by Kamazots, the god of darkness, who apparently is a wussy against kitty cats. My my Kamazot, uh was an absolute loser. I mean, just I mean, I, <laughs> it was, the Kamazot is awesome, in spite of the way he, Nelson may have played him. But they're awesome. I, <laughs> I had no idea these things were going to hose me. Well, because you know, listen, nothing. It, Chris said it. You said it, dude. This is a bloody game. It is. This you is never not, know. You're no, throwing dice, no idea. and Kamazots could the bed on a on a res roll. Hundred percent. Yeah, because if you have to roll on that injury sure. you know, table, and so you don't know what's going to happen. And to be fair, monstrosities were something we struggled with for a long time. We really, really wanted to put them in the game. We were concerned about how the monstrosity table, uh, you know, and the high res values and all that stuff was going to work. Um, and when the dust settled, we're using the rules exactly like they are out of Warlords of Erewhon. 100%. Uh, 100%. Our monsters are expensive. And so when you put – but they're not so expensive. So when the kitty cats kill Kamazots, you're not like throwing Kamazots against the wall. Um, so the monstrosities are a great part of the game. They're so much fun and they are not overpowered, which I think is part of what Rick Priestley was was trying to achieve with the monstrosities. He did a great table. job. Yep. He did a great job. Look, he did a great job with this with the core Absolutely. rule set, you know. Um, you know, this mythic I think this is going to feel very familiar to Warlords of Erewhon fans um for sure. And I think if you don't play Warlords of Erewhon right now, um, whether you play with the original Warlords of Erewhon, you know, with your armies, you know, whatever it is, goblins or beastmen or whatever it is, um, I would recommend that you, you know, take a look at the 2.0 book in that it simplifies, it cleans up. One of the things I did want to mention about rules, because I think it was, it was, it was well done, uh, I, I thought, by the team, was the, um, <clears throat> the, the um, terrain um, yes. Yeah. Uh, section we you know we kept the terrain section. Look, a lot of people love a very detailed, nuance, you know, very specific, lots of depth to the and variety to things. Like you know, uh, we actually talked about this for a long, long time. Uh, you know, specific terrain uh, features within mm -hmm. the table. So we in the new book, 
uh, in the 2.0 version, you'll have that choice. But then we also present a, a simplified version of that. So right. you can choose to play the game with a much more involved, the original rich, super rich set of, of uh, guidelines, or you can use the, the streamlined um, right. uh, you know, rules. And terrain will be uh, available <laughs> in... Yeah, uh, we're, we're making some terrain pieces, which are so pretty cool. So back to the mines, since I didn't finish, I just want to I'm mention so one more thing about the mines. I know we're, we're like just any shiny object has us running. Well, but there's a lot of stuff. It's, it's so a, much fun. It, we've been working on this since, like you said, 2019. It's bottled up. And we still sit there going, holy... Yeah, it's you sort of lose your mind. So the Mayans also have the the most the they have the fierce warriors, but they also have some nasty range because they're using the Adalats, which is me saying Adalatl instead of but with a real cool pronunciation yeah. that you're supposed well, you're to so, use for Mayan. You're so well, Mayan. I did a lot of research on the vocabulary, yes, sir. Yeah, no, so. you did. No, you did. I mean actually the the pronunciations, all the pronunciations in the rule book were researched by you. Yeah, yeah. And because I, I kind of want to know how to say Makawa-Weedle. Yeah, That's, That's it, Makawa-Weedle. Um, anyway, so you have those alats, which are nasty-ranged SV2 spears on the end of those. I mean, that's that's cool stuff. The models are awesome, too. And the models are awesome. Yeah. Um, so that's the mines. That's your elite uh, hard-hitting unit. Yeah. Um, then you have your Aztecs, which yeah. is is... <laughs> Is that controversial undead? You know, people are like, "Why are the Aztecs undead? They weren't undead people. They were, you know, they were living." So yeah, <laughs> I mean, this is the beauty of having. So the Aztecs are not evil, right? You know, no, nobody in this game is evil. Um, uh, two little nuances that I think is important for people to remember: the one gave humans something very unique that no, no demigod god or anything else in the pantheon of mythic americas has uh, and that is two emotions love and hate right and love and hate are uniquely human right and so that drives lots of our decision making okay the aztecs um are just like any other faction um, they have the ability to function within any of the with within the both of the alignments the Aztecs, like a lot of Mesoamerican cultures or a lot of you know South American cultures, ha- have um, a history of human sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Right. So in our game, the thought went along the lines of something like this. Okay. Well, look, when the conquistadors showed up, they were like, "Oh my God, they're sacrificing humans!" Right. Well, they didn't understand why. They didn't understand. You know, a lot of these folks were prisoners of war. Some of them were quote unquote volunteers. Um, uh, and it was a very brutal spectacle, but it was a tiny little portion of their society, but it was a crucial portion of their religious beliefs, right? Um, but in our game, we believe that there's a, and there's a, a lot, and actually in history and their mythologies, there's a great big focus on death and the underworld and heroes going down to the underworld right, and fighting exactly. eternally and, and coming back right. from the underworld as, you know, exalted heroes after going kicking and killing demons and all kinds of stuff down in in their version of hell, right? So in our game, in our mythology, the Aztecs are pretty practical in the sense that they're dealing with a lot of quote-unquote death uh, as part of their their understanding of the universe. So some of these uh, folks are dealing with a lot of death magic, per se, and and, and use some of these uh, sacrifices as as troops to make the core 
of of some of their uh, war bands. Exactly, and they're not the they're not the only. Uh, it, it's not a whole army of undead. I mean. Um, you can think of this army more as a horde type army, where you're going to yeah, have cheaper troops, and you're going to be you're going to be using the warlord who happens to be, you know, a high Tlaloc priest who's going to be ca- casting buffs uh, on his units to make them, uh, you know, more stand out when they go head to head against Mayans. Um, you also have this is the one faction. That's going to have uh, multiple monstrosities at first release. Yeah. So you've got the Marauders, which are the cool uh, giant ogre-sized guys who who yeah. have the big Makawaddles. Yeah. Makawahuidles. Yeah. I shouldn't say that say three it. times fast. Yeah, I can't. I no. can't say it one no, time. No, no, Slow. No. Um, they <laughs> you have the, wrote the pronunciation I, guy. I know, but that doesn't mean I can speak it. That's true. Um, so they have those giant things that they can use to kill, and then, uh, but then you have monstrosities. You do have the. Quetzalcoatl, which is the one uh, fire dragon, I think it's named on the website tonight, but uh, that is the, 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 the serpent that has the arachnid legs, which, yes, we realize that is uh, taking liberties, but what the heck, it's fun. By the way, um, uh, that's an example of, you know, that's an interpretation of Quetzalcoatl, and as far as, you know, there's a, there are other models that will come in with, within the faction that will echo some of those aspects of this version of Quetzalcoatl, right? So um, I I know that there's a historical version, quote-unquote, of what a Quetzalcoatl is. But there's a million different variations on interpretations. The Maya had a Quetzalcoatl. um, The Aztecs had a Quetzalcoatl. So we're going to have variations on Quetzalcoatl. This is the first one that we did. So... The interesting thing about the Quetzalcoatl is that it is actually a magic caster. So different than, you know, so you have a high priest who casts magic. And you also have this monstrosity because that's the Quetzalcoatl was this uh, almost like demigod type of monster. Mm-hmm. And that's the way we're treating him in the, in the, uh, in the faction. Uh, and then finally you have the IR which is really just one of my most absolute favorites. Just a giant mass of of bodies and body parts, um, kind of like the ultimate signifier of of death on that um, on that Aztec warfield. Uh, huge tar pit um, has special rules that. You can't even get away from him if you want to. Yeah. Um, and then you do have humans. You have those jaguar warriors. You have eagle warriors all supplementing yeah. the— um, And they're good. Yeah, they are. Jaguar warriors and the eagle warriors in particular are really, really good. Um, so then—so we, did we do Maya? We didn't do the Incans. Yet. We didn't do the Incans. So the, the last uh, force is the Incans. They are also a more elite range, um, and they are more of a— um, Ranged and spell casting heavy. Yeah. Uh, although they are no slouches in hand to hand combat, they the whole army has a shield wall essential I special love rule. The shield wall. Yeah. Um, so that's you, an original rule. That's you know. Yep. That's that's straight out of Warlords yeah. of Arawana, and it's very um, apropos for the Incans since they did have shields and they carried them and they knew how to use them and they knew how to almost turtle. You know. Yeah. So. Um, but it's also a fun rule to try and play around because, you know, it has its restrictions in the Warlords of Erewhon world where you can't, you know, you can't sprint. So either you're going to be plotting with your shield wall or you're going to be sprinting and giving up that bonus. Um, 
it takes yeah. some planning around. Yeah, and uh, we are, and, and that, and you'll see in the rule book that we handle the whole shooting thing and yep. the, the shield wall. So it, it's, I think it's a nice, clean way to handle it. Agreed, agreed. So, so you do have uh, the warlord. He's that's the the model that's so sexy right now on the websites where you have that uh, Sapa on top of the spirit jaguar, um, and he can also be on foot with. Uh, you know, more troops. They have an interesting uh, troop that throws the, uh, what do we call them? What's the bolos? Oh, my, my brain is burnt right my now. My brain is burnt, too. Um, but um, Wait, Aeolus. The Aeolus, yeah. right. Literally, was just looking at that model before. Yep, so so you have these special uh, ranged units that can throw these Aeolus, and and the Aeolus doesn't just hit the uh, the the enemy it slows down the enemy it binds their legs <laughs> and that. yeah it, it's a yeah. neat it's a neat mechanic so that's a sense of the four factions what we expect to do is to deep dive on all our podcasts now i'm hoping we're going to get them out every week maybe every we'll definitely get them out every two weeks definitely um and we'll deep dive and we'll really start talking about the different models we can give you um teasers as to some of the things we're thinking about doing in the future because we definitely have a long-term plan yep um we know what factions well we we have plans for the factions that are coming out for next year um we have broader plans than that. And I think we should probably leave it on the broader plans, just very mm-hmm. general broader plans. So if, if, you know, if you understand <clears throat> that, um, that, you know, the balance and all that other stuff is at the core of what we're doing with the ever living and the ever changing in the way, you know, our initial intention um, um, was to really take mythologies from around the world um, and even uh, European mythologies that we might be familiar with and really explore the lesser known ones. Because that's part of, for me, that's part of the appeal. Learning non-sort of big players in the, his, the, the world of history, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, everybody would be familiar with a lot of the demigods and gods of the Egyptians or the Romans or the Greeks, right? Um, uh, but there's a lot of other cultures within those areas that had some very, very, very cool things. Uh, so part of what we're doing is exploring some of the lesser known um, uh, cultures and mythologies around the, the, the globe. So the game is Mythic Americas is the first of five books to be followed by Mythic Asia, uh, then Mythic Europe, Mythic Africa, and then the fifth book is Mythic Earth. Each one of these books is going to introduce, you know, uh, just on the average about eight um, war bands, uh, eight factions. All of this is under the way. All of this is under ever-living. All of this is under ever-changing. And it's wrapped up in one book, the final book, book number five, which is Mythic Earth. And so Mythic Earth is the book that will allow you to all of you, by the way, when when we introduce all of these, you'll be able to play these cross factions. But Mythic uh, Earth is really going to be the one that sort of finally paints the full picture of what the one intended for balance here on Earth between us, the children and all the other entities within this this world. So it's a four year project. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we're on to our first book. Second book, we're hoping to uh, to make sure hits in 2021, unless there's some new pandemic, an epidemic, or whatever. But that's the plan. And so you know, we look forward from going from Mythic Americas to Mythic Asia, which is going to be 
it's such a blast. We just, I mean, we just started working on some of those mm-hmm. uh, factions, and you know, we have some. We're lucky that we have some very, very senior educators um, and experts. <laughs> they really are master degree researchers uh, working on the stuff, and they're amazing. They've done an amazing job in researching uh, and and making sure that a lot of the information that we provide and the resources that we give people. Uh, are very legit. And there are still four more uh, factions that are going to get released for Mythic Americas, which should be happening all next year. Yeah. So, you know, that's the plan is to get more factions for Mythic Americas out next year. We'll announce them on this podcast, you know, as, you know, time goes by. Um, and then start delving into Mythic Asia next year as well. And, so, I, and I think it's really important to say this, Father Time. We're... We are committed as a group, as a company, as a set of creatives, as a studio to go full board. We already have um, addendum or additional units for each existing faction yeah, right. uh, in development because our goal is to, for example, the nations, we can do, we can just do the Mythic Americas and just spend the next five years doing nations, you know, right. and bringing in, you know, uh, uh, groups within the Americas. So there's so much richness here, but the idea is to just continue to support the mythic concept and uh, and just keep adding to existing factions. But So I, I do invite you to join the uh, Warlords Discord. There is a Mythic Americas channel that was just created this week by Ali. Yeah. Um, go on there. If you, have, if you have questions, pose them there. We'll do our best to answer anything you, uh, you want to know. And we have the mythicamericas.com website going live tomorrow. Okay. Yep. There's that. The website goes live tomorrow. I'm trying to think. There's a lot of um, different forums that are starting to crop up, but I, I'm going to try and direct you to the Warlord Discord because that's the easiest place to kind of corral everything, and that's Definitely. where most of the Warlords of Erewhon folks are anyway. And then we'll do FAQs. We'll, you know, it's look, we, we've been doing, uh, we've been in the gaming world for a long time 30 some odd years, yeah. and if you combine our ages, 362 <laughs> years at least. So, um, I, I, you know, we will be all over this game for the next four years uh, at minimum. And obviously after that, uh, as we support uh, and flush out the game. So I, we hope you enjoy it. This is the, big, the first of many conversations, and uh, we'll catch you at the next one. Yeah, do we sound excited? I, 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 this could have gone for like three hours. Yeah, I know. It's ridiculous. Right, I think we are excited. I know, we're done. All right, we'll see you in a week or two. <laughs> All right, catch everybody later. <laughs>